Let's get to God's Word. Acts chapter 5. I'm going to read a verse 12, and I'm going to jump down to verse 17. Acts chapter 5, verse 12 says, The apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. Verse 17, the high priest and his officials who were Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. Then he told them, go to the temple and give the people this message of life. Father, we thank you for your word this evening. We thank you, Lord, that it is a message of life. Hallelujah. This morning, we're not hearing bad news. This morning, we're not getting a message of desperation. This morning, we're not getting a fearful message. This morning, we're not getting a message that we, we're going to want to run away from. But, Lord, we're receiving a message of life. And so, Lord, I pray that your message of life would touch our hearts, would transform us, would excite us, would encourage us, would help us today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Who's excited this morning that we have a message of life, a message of hope, a message of peace? I'm so thankful this morning that I don't have to give you bad news. I'm always amazed uh, at the news, the world news sometimes. You know, they give you bad story after bad story after bad story. And at the very end, they try to, with 30 seconds, say, and we want to highlight this person. I'm not making light of who they highlight because it is wonderful, but it's like you just gave us 25 minutes of bad news and you're going to try to erase it all with 30 seconds of happy news. But with Jesus, it's not 25 and then a little good news. It's 100% good news. It's a message of life. And this morning I pray that you're encouraged. What we can see from this portion of Scripture Going back into my sermon from last week, that the disciples were in a routine. They had a routine going. And I hope this week that you found purpose in your routine. I really do. I was really believing for that. I was really praying and just believing that God was touching your heart, that you were walking into work a little bit different. You were walking into your house just with a, some expectation. You were walking into the store saying, okay, Lord, who am I going to help? Who am I going to look at to smile? I just hope that you found purpose in your routine. And I pray from this day forward again that you will never, never find one, new, one minute of your life meaningless. That every moment, every chance, every, every minute of your life has meaning. And I pray this morning that you are fulfilling that purpose and you're finding purpose in your routine. I just really wanted to quickly emphasize this. I didn't emphasize it last week. Your spiritual routine. There is no better routine to have than a spiritual routine. We see that the uh, they had a spiritual routine. The disciples and the and the new believers they were had a routine of going to the temple, of coming together. I'm glad today Sunday morning you have a routine of coming to church. It would have been really boring. And I remember the days preaching to empty chairs just about a year ago. That's really boring. It's no fun at all. I'm glad that you have a routine of coming to church on Sunday. I'm glad that you have a routine of receiving from God and worshiping God. And I want to tell you and remind you, this is still my goal. This is still my vision for this church. That 
every believer will have a daily habit of reading your Bible and praying to God. That's my goal. I, I, that's where I'm at right now with this church. If anybody asks you, what is your church all about? I want you to be able to tell them, we want every believer to be in the Bible and prayer every day. I really believe that. Uh, I've shared with some of you, and I'm sharing with all of you now. There's a lot of things in my heart. There's a lot of desires I have. There's a lot of things I've been a part of that I would like to see done again. There's, there's a lot in my mind and heart that I just keep getting calm by the Spirit, and I'm just reminded of this vision that I have that I don't want to forget, and I don't want you to forget, and I believe it's so important, reading your Bible, praying every day. Remember, it's, it was uh, 15% of believers, from not the unbelievers, 15% of believers read their Bible every day and pray. So do you think it's a good vision to have? I believe it is, and it's one that I'm going to stick to, and we'll see where God takes that vision. But reading the Bible, it's the key. Praying, it's the key that unlocks the doors of blessing over your life. It's the reason why if I keep bringing it up every week, it's like Paul. Paul says, I, I know I'm saying the same thing again, but I don't get tired of telling you. And to be honest with you, I don't get tired of telling you the praying and reading your Bible is so important. You can forget everything that I say today, but if you remember that, you'll make my day and you'll make your day. You will make your day better by spending time in the Word of God and in prayer. The key that unlocks that blessing. It reminds me of a story about a key. Uh, this was a several years ago. Alexander's about three. We were still living in Utah. And uh, we were, so I was here visiting. It was, uh, I think, the month of May. Yeah, it was the month of May. And we were uh, coming to my sister's house in Joliet to get, gather together as a family. We all got there. It was after church, and we're all there, and, you know, we're all dressed up. And it's not too hot, but it's a little warm. And she realizes that she's locked all the doors, and she has no key to the house. And so she's thinking, she starts calling friends. Maybe I gave my key to somebody. Somebody has to have my key, right? And friends, neighbors, no, we don't have the key. And then my dad's like, well, maybe I have a key to your house. So he drives 10 minutes home, looks for keys, comes back, realizes there's no key. He doesn't have a key either. So my sister finally realizes, okay, we're just going to have to call locksmith. I mean, we have no other options. We're not going to break. We've already gone around the windows. All the windows are locked. We've done it all. And we're getting close to an hour now through this whole process. And it was the cutest thing. So like I said, we were starting to get tired. Like we were like, okay, this was a little fun for about 10 minutes hanging out outside. But now we're hungry. It's Sunday afternoon. We're hungry. We're all dressed up. We want to change. We want to relax. And all of a sudden, Alexander, who's three years old, kind of gets the sense from everybody. Like everybody's kind of tired. And she looks around and she says, Dad, can we just go inside now? And it was, so, it was such a cute moment because she was having fun. In her mind, she thought, oh, we're all outside having fun. Okay, we're just playing around. We were able to get into the garage, so my nephew and I and my other nephew were throwing the football around, so it was fun. She was having fun. But it was like she just had this sincere moment like, can we just go inside now? <laughs> and I was like, Alexander, we don't have a key. That's the moral of the story. Moral of the story is you don't have a key. If you're not reading your Bible, if you're not praying every day, 
You're not going to get into the heart of God. You're not going to get into the peace of God. You're not going to get into the wisdom of God. You're not going to get into the patience of God. It's the Word of God. It's the key. Don't leave home without it. Don't leave it here in this church. Take it with you. Read the Bible. Pray every day. Make it a regular routine. And when that happens, again, it's going to give purpose to the mundane parts of life. Life's going to get boring. You're going to go through the motions. The Word of God, that routine is going to keep it alive. And then the other side of things, the trials, the difficulties, the hard times, the moments where you want to give up, the moments where you're crying, the moments where you're frustrated, the moments where you're mad, angry, questioning God. When you have the Bible and prayer, it's going to help you. It's going to carry you through. It's going to lift you up. It's going to encourage you. And the disciples, they had those moments. They had a lot of trials in the book of Acts. You know, you can read through there and, you know, highlight a lot of the good stuff and get excited about it and think, oh, man, they were healing people. God's Holy Spirit was coming on them. Thousands were getting saved. Yes, there was a lot that was happening. But they also faced many trials. I didn't talk about uh, Acts chapter 4, but let me just give you a quick recap. First of all, let me, let's go back into Acts 3 where we talked about. So Peter and John are on their way to the temple. They have a routine of killing kids. So they're on their way to the temple, and they see a crippled man there. Now, I did not talk much about him, but I re- briefly just wanted to point out something. The Bible says that he was put every day by the entrance of the temple. He was crippled. You know what? God just spoke to my heart that there are people that are being put in your life every day. And every day, these people, they're crippled, and their worst crippling is not a physical crippling. It's a spiritual crippling. It's a mental crippling. It's a crippling that you can't see. It's people whose hearts are broken, whose frustration is hidden by their smile or their joking or by their nice their patience. It's that part of their life that is crumbling inside of them. I just shared with you that as believers, we have a routine. We have a relationship with Christ that gives us hope in our trials, that gives us purpose in our difficulty. But what about people without God? They don't have a plan. Their plan, their plan is what is frustrating them. They don't have a They don't have eternal life, the hope of heaven in front of them. They're not looking at any of those things. And so they're being placed in front of them. And they're helpless. They're hopeless. They're hurting. And I want to encourage you today, as I did last week, start looking for these people. Start thinking about them. Start saying, yes, you might be having a bad day, but you have Christ. Who's other millions of people around you are having a bad day without Jesus. And this man who was placed there, he was hurting inside. He was he was expecting something from them. And I want to share something with you. And there's so many hurting people around you. I've shared this phrase with you before. Hurting people hurt people. And it's those people that look tough, they talk tough, they sound tough. You're looking at them like, oh, I don't want to talk to them. But when I used to, I used to do public school assemblies in Utah, I did it for over 20 years there in Utah. 
And one of the things that we realized in going into those schools is those bullies, they're not bullies by choice. Do you realize that? Uh, if you have children, you, you can get frustrated with bullies, right? I know I would. I mean, somebody's like bullying Alexandra, we're going to get really frustrated. But we have to be spiritually mature enough to not focus on their actions. And one of the things we realize is the reason why that kid is a bully is because he's being bullied on and when you start changing your mindset to think that way, you're not going to get frustrated with that kid. I hope you don't get frustrated with that kid. I hope you begin to empathize with that child. I hope there's a part of you that says, oh, I, you know, I hope it turns from, if you touch my kid again, to, geez, okay. That kid, we, kids don't naturally bully kids. It's taught. They learn it. That's why we need to monitor what kids are watching. I know Tara, she's on it. Alexandra, what are you watching? <laughs> you know, is that good? Is that, is that something that's helpful to you? We have to watch that. Kids, they learn to bully. It's not inside of them to bully. And there's kids who are being bullied at home. There's kids who are being pushed at home. And so when they get to school, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to push us. They're going to hurt us. And these bullies are now old, uh, older, and they're at your job. You know who they are. You have a workplace. If you go to a workplace, if you go to the store, you've seen them before. I say, did you that story of Berwin, who that girl cut the line and that guy ended up killing somebody? Why did he do that? He was around them. He was around them. I guarantee you he was bullied. I guarantee you he was hurting. Hurting people hurt people. And we need to be on our, we need to be on the lookout for these people. God, help us. And so Peter and John, they were going up to the temple, and they saw this crippled man, and he got their attention. And Peter and John said, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, what I do possess. Remember that word have meant means possess. What I do possess, I give you. Please, let's be ready to give to people in need. And so they give what they need to this man, and he's healed. But the religious leaders did not like it one bit. The religious leaders saw what was happening because Peter, not only does he heal, God, God heals him, but Peter's quick to say, I don't know why you guys are looking at us like we healed them. I didn't heal this crippled man. I just prayed for them. God healed him. I was just being obedient to take time to pray with them. God was the one who healed this man. And he preaches a sermon, and 5,000 people are added to the church that day. But after all of that, the religious leaders were fed up with it. And they were filled with jealousy. And so they told them, we are commanding you not to speak in this name anymore. We're commanding you. Now think about this. Now put this in perspective. Peter and John, they go up. And, and they're going about their routine. They see a man in need. They heal the man. Now they preach a sermon. 5,000 people are at it. They're replacing. 5,000 people have a better day, better attitude, better hope, better life. And the religious leaders say, stop it. And if you don't stop it, we're going to hurt you. And they knew in their minds that if they hurt Christ, they crucified Christ. Jesus said, if they hurt me, they will hurt you. So they're thinking, boy, if we don't stop this, something's going to happen to us. And here they had all of these new believers coming in. 
you know, put that in perspective. These new people saying, I can't believe it. What are we going to do now? Well, they told the story. I can't do this anymore. And they're dealing with all of these issues. And they're facing opposition. I want to tell you today, this isn't what I would call bad news. It sounds like bad news. It's the truth. But it's that tough love truth. You are going to face opposition. Good people, bad people, all people are going to face opposition. Every one of us are going to face opposition in life. We are living in a life, and we're going to face times, and we're just going to hit people. People are going to hit us. We're going to face opposition. But here is the question that we have to ask. Will opposition force you to change who you are, or will opposition confirm who you are? Is opposition going to force you to change? Is opposition going to say, this is who I was. I was smiling. I was happy walking into the office. I was ready to do service. I was ready to, to go the extra mile for my boss. I was ready to give coffee to my coworkers. But then opposition comes, and then what happens? Oh, bad news. Forget it. You guys aren't getting coffee. You're not going to get a smile. You're not going to get anything from me because now I'm getting Position. Does opposition change who you are? Does opposition confirm this is who I am? And for the disciples, when they were told you must stop, when they were facing opposition, what did they decide to do? In Acts chapter 4, they decided to pray and ask God for more boldness. God, help us to do more for you. God, help us to preach more. Help us to love more. Opposition did not stop them from being believers. Opposition confirmed that they were believers, and it made them stronger believers. That's what opposition did for them. And I'm praying that that's what God, opposition will do for you. The disciples, and in their prayer, if you read Acts chapter 4, their prayer wasn't, God, get rid of me. God, get him out of my life. I want you to remove him. No, their prayer was, God, help us to keep spreading this message, this message of life. They're telling us to stop, but give us courage and give us boldness. And what happened? We read it this morning. Acts chapter 5, verse 12 says, again, I read it to you. The apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. God answered the prayer. God answered their prayer. They received it. They received more of God's presence. And I'm going to tell you, I used to, when I was a youth pastor, I used to tell my youth group, this is what I call ambush when you pray in tongues. Because, see, there's times where the, it's the enemy, it's the devil that comes against us, and we get that opposition. Sometimes it's life that comes against us. Sometimes we allow, uh, uh, we're our own worst enemy. Sometimes it's people. There's all sorts of people that are situations that come, and they bring us opposition. But when it comes and we decide, because the enemy's thinking, oh, I got them now. Oh, and we're, they're going to stop now. They're not going to do it now. They're not going to pray now. It's not going to rain now. And when we decide, no, this is my moment. This is my moment to shine. And my house was burglarized in 2014 after a Wednesday of serving God all day, doing a Bible study, my wife being with the music team all day long, and we come home, and our house is burglarized. 
he said this opposition just confirms who we are. Didn't get mad at God. Didn't get complained. Didn't get worried. I slept like a baby that night because I knew that God was for me, not against me. I knew that opposition was just confirming that I'm a believer and that I'm going to pray more and I'm going to pray for this people. God, you must want me to pray for these people who did it. And I prayed for their salvation. They had somebody praying for them. The night before, nobody was praying for them. That night, they burglarized my home. I was praying for them. See how this works? See how God begins to take it and turn it into power? How he takes curses and makes them blessings? How he takes the clouds and pushes them away so that you can see the sun shining, not making light of your trials or turmoil? I'm giving purpose to them. I'm giving hope to them. I'm giving you something to lean on. I'm giving you something to stand on. I'm giving you something to believe in. God answered their prayer. And so God answers their prayer. Acts chapter 5. So they got opposition. God's, they say, God, help us to do more for you. They go out and they're doing more for God. Guess what? The religious leaders weren't going away. They're gonna, and we're going to come harder at them. And what did we read? This time, this time, they said, we're going to put them in jail. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna keep them quiet. We're gonna make sure they don't speak this time. Last time we verbally warned them, we verbally threatened them. Now we're gonna put them in jail so that they cannot speak this message anymore. We're shutting it down. But how many of you know this morning that if God is for us, nothing can be against us? How many of you know that we serve the God who opens a door no one can shut? He closes doors that no one can open. We serve God Almighty. And this message, yeah, give Him praise. Thank you, Lord, for your hope and your strength and your peace. How many of you know this morning that when God says this message will be preached throughout the world, then the end will come. When God says it will happen, it's going to happen. There's nothing that can stop it. There's no prison that can hold it in. There's no opposition that can squelch it. It's going to happen. We're on a, we're a part of the kingdom of God and we're advancing and moving forward. It won't be stopped by any opposition. We read this morning what happened there. The angel of the Lord came and he opened the gates of the jail. What did he say? You go and you preach this message this message of life. You go and you preach it. You don't stop. The enemy can't stop. The religious leaders aren't going to stop you. This, these walls aren't going to stop you. These prison gates are not going to stop you. I pray that that type of courage and tenacity and determination is rising up within you this morning. Nothing's going to stop me from praising God. Nothing's going to stop me from serving God. I'm determined this morning. I'm determined to serve God. And that's exactly what happened. The Bible says that the religious leaders were filled with jealousy. And that jealousy led them to hurting the disciples. What did what have we been reading in Acts? Well, we've been reading that the disciples have been filled with what? Jealousy and anger? No, worry, doubt, no. The disciples were filled with the hatred preached a message uh, several months ago about checking your gauges. I said, here's the question for you. What is filling your life? What's filling your life? 
because whatever is filling your life is going to lead you to your actions. It's going to lead you to what you're going to do next. The religious leaders were filled with jealousy. And what did that lead them to do? Hurt someone. The disciples, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And what did that cause them to do? It caused them to take their opposition and turn it into power. Turn it into purpose. What's filling your life today? What's filling your heart today? I'm glad you're here today, so I know you're getting filled with God's Word, but tomorrow morning, get to ask yourself, what's going to fill me today? The next day, what's going to fill me today? I pray it's God's Word. I pray it's His presence. I pray that it is His truth that is filling your life. I'm not big into titles. Like we're doing sermons on Facebook and and so Catherine asked me to give a title, and so I started to give titles. And the title I gave it to this message is called Trials Come and Trials Go. And when I told, when I was typing the message uh, of that title to her, of course the thought came to me is, oh, that sounds like you're so inconsiderate. It sounds like you're just sitting in your nice little office while everybody else is suffering, and you can say these cute little things. And I wasn't. And a part of me was like, man, I, I should add like a tagline because, again, I understand life. I've been in trials before. I know my mother, when her mother passed away, when my grandmother, she, she would fight. She would say, I just don't like it when people tell me, but I do know where you're coming from. And she understood the point. My mother was a believer. And it's just, the point is, like, you can kind of pat people on the back and say, yeah, you know, it's okay. You know, God's here. Get over it. And that's not what I meant by that title, Trials Come and Trials Go. What I meant by that title, and when I give that title, I couldn't explain, but I'm going to explain to you now. Trials come and trials go because believers in Christ control the trials. We control the trials. The world, people without God, trials control them. What happens to our stock market when you, you see it every day? If you've never watched it, okay, I get it. But talk to most people in here. They'll explain to you the stock market, and you'll see it on the news, and you'll see, oh, the, the, the stock market is down this week. And what happens? Then people start reacting. People start reacting. You start seeing violence in the news. Something happens. What, what happens to our law enforcement? Well, there's bad apples everywhere, right? So you get a couple of law enforcement that hurt somebody, and now everybody's against law enforcement. Not everybody, but you get, a, you get the crowds of people that are against law enforcement. They start reacting. The trials of life start controlling people. Oh, look what's happening over here. We're going we're gonna to come against them, and we're going we're gonna to go after these people. But believers in Christ, trials don't control us. We control them. We tell trials where to go. We take our trials and we say, you're going to go and you're going to build us up. You're going to encourage us. You're going to help us this morning. And I'm praying and believing that. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back down this morning. We're going to sing a song that's going to, it's going to cement this message this morning. Opposition's going to come. It's going to come your way. But I'm believing and, and I'm going to believe that God is going to give you courage. That God's going to give you strength today. He's going to give you hope today. He's going to, you're, you're, you're with the Lord God Almighty. He does not lose. He does not fail. We sang it in that song. 
He cannot fail you. He will not fail you. He's going to be with you this morning when opposition comes. And if opposition isn't coming, then thank God you're standing. Thank you. Would you stand this morning? And maybe online, you can, you've been sitting. Maybe you will stand with us as we sing this song and just believing God to just touch our hearts and our lives with his word. The message of life. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Thank you that your word is living and active. We thank you, God, that in life we understand that opposition will come. But we know in Jesus' name that opposition will go. It's not going to hold us back. It's not going to hold us down. But it's going to elevate us. It's going to help us. Lord Jesus, and if we're... Everything's going good for us today. We want to think about those who are hurting, the people who have been put around us. Help us, Lord Jesus, to see them today. Come, Holy Spirit, speak to our lives and be filled with the Holy Spirit this morning. Fill us, Lord Jesus. They don't know you like me. 